Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. Sir, your llama just bit Ted Kennedy. Good! Conversations about collaboration, episode 13, Emmy award-winning TV news anchor, consultant, trainer, and speaking coach, that's a mouthful, Carrie Barrett joins me for an illuminating chat about her collaboration world. We talk about the inherent trade-offs necessary for independent folks and why she needs to use different tools, some of which are decidedly old school. Let's rock and roll, baby. Carrie, where does this pod find you? This pod finds me well and alive. <laughs> I'm in I'm in New Jersey. I'm in northwestern New Jersey in Sussex County, about an hour outside of New York City. How are you? Doing all right. I'm seeing you have snow in the background. I am jealous. I know. I know. It's it's kind of like drizzly and a little bit gross here today. I imagine this will all be melted, but we had a huge storm before Christmas. And we had another little one a few days ago. So it's it's nice. Different than Arizona. A little bit, a little bit. So you use a bunch of different tools to collaborate. I know you contributed a sidebar to the awesome book, Zoom for Dummies. And thank you for that, by the way. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about some of the other tools that you use to make your whole thing happen. What what exact, what whole thing are you talking about? (laughs) The business of you. (laughs) Um. Boy, I'll tell you what, I, a little bit of backstory about me is I'm not a very, like I just started my business, not just, it feels like just because the last year and a half have been a blur, but about a year and a half ago. So I was super unfamiliar with, you know, I I come from the TV news world. We didn't use any of this sort of tech for our communications. It was emails and text and that's how we work together. Um, So this whole world of of Slack and Trello and all the, you know, Monday and all the different platforms that there are for helping organize collaboration are all new to me. Um, my, so I, I guess I'm still on the learning curve. I, okay. I use, I use, um, Slack. I do you Slack? I am a recent, I know, I know you're a big fan. Now you like me, but not in a non-creepy way. <laughs> 70, 30, creepy, non-creepy. Uh, but it is really helpful for organization. And I will say that's one of my biggest challenges when it comes to tr- keeping track of projects, whether I am uh, you know, working in partnership with somebody, whether it's a client and I have a big or longer term project that I'm working on with them, the organization process is is entirely new, at least this way of of doing it. So I find things that keep me on track, uh, allow for, you know, sort of checking boxes and making sure that we're all on the same page at the same time and where we need to be, that I can open up and look on my screen and see where things stand are super helpful. I need you to keep it really simple for me. I just like I don't need a lot of bells and whistles. I just need to be able to track things and be, and have that facilitate 
the way that I work with people and the way that we work together. I mean, and that's all changed even in the past nine months, you know, a lot of, of meetings and things that were taking place in person are no longer happening that way. They're happening via a keyboard or a camera on attached to your keyboard. So even that has changed a little bit in the past few months. When you pick up a new client or develop a course, which I know you've been working on, um, do you go in with your own tools? Do you ask clients what they want to use? What's your process? Because to me, it's, that's a personal question in a way. And there are people who are very flexible. I'll use whatever. And the people who are less flexible say, no, I only use this. And if you don't like it, tough noogies. And some people don't use anything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're just wrong. They are wrong. And, and I, yet I still work with them. Um, it, it sort of depends. I really try and keep the process on my side as simple as possible. I'm still in that two year window where there's a lot of thrash when you're first starting. And so if I'm trying to accommodate every single client's needs, it becomes extremely difficult for me. I'm a one man band, you know, I'm like, chief cook and bottle washer. So if I accommodate where I can, but I also know that my bandwidth is limited. And if, if a new platform or a new tool is going to take a long time for me to spool up on and get with the program, I'm really not doing my client a service, but the, the, what I have gone. So for example, this isn't really collaboration, but I'll give you an example. I use QuickBooks to invoice, to track, all that other good stuff. There are some clients who just don't want to do that. They won't pay online. They don't want to use QuickBooks. They want to use, you know, some other form of payment. And that that in and of itself is tricky for me to try and keep everything organized and straight and accommodate all the different ways that people want to pay. You know, the, these people, we only pay invoices on the 5th and the 20th. I'm like, well, crap, my bills are due on the first, you know, it's just tracking all that stuff is, is tricky. So anyway, to get back to your original question, I went on a tangent there, but, um, I try and accommodate, but I also know where my limits are. And if I can't, then I try and find a solution that works well for, for both parties or all the parties, depending on how many there are. I don't use QuickBooks, but I use something similar wave apps. And I've discovered when I switched over to it a little over a year ago that I could make it more collaborative. And this is something I discovered researching the new book, another shameless plug, of course. Uh, But historically, something that you would do independently, and it could be the same thing with Microsoft Word, right? You do it as a Google Doc and other people can collaborate on it in real time. I can actually give my accountant access so she can run a P&L or I don't have to send her a PDF or an Excel spreadsheet. Is it like that with QuickBooks as well? And if so, is that a feature that you're using? Uh, It is like that with QuickBooks as well. And you can integrate. So for example, I have one client who likes to pay through something called bill.com, but I can integrate that with QuickBooks that you, so I can send, I can send an invoice through QuickBooks, but it like sort of funnels through bill.com and it arrives to him as a bill.com where it gets tricky is when I have to track whether it's been paid because the, the payment, or at least I haven't figured out how to make that happen does not register on QuickBooks automatically the way that the other, you know, the way that somebody who pays through the link does. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. And that's one of the challenges that's come up in some of the previous episodes, independence, like you and me yeah. can't say I'm only using X, right? Whereas if you worked in accounts payable in a big accounting department for a big company, 
you say, well, here's how you have to pay us. Otherwise we won't do business with you. Right. Um, so do you use some sort of meta tool? In other words, a tool to manage the other tools such that you get paid? Um, you, our listeners can't see me right now, but I'm pointing to my brain. <laughs> That's my meta tool. <laughs> I need a better, I need a better tool. My tool is like breaking down. Uh, you know, I track things on Excel and um, the CRM to some degree, but but mostly I, you know what, I get, I'm going to be, I'm embarrassed right now, but I, I'm still pretty old school. I keep a lot of things that I, that are handwritten in notebooks and I, I track a lot of stuff that way. I know I just saw you raise your eyebrows. For those of you who are listening, he just gave me the freaking side eye. <laughs> you write it in a notebook. No. Hey, what the hell? I will have you know that I'm taking, so. It's just, it's, it's interesting because some people are, I think it's a spectrum on one yeah. side and some people are on the other, but yeah. then you have the interesting folks in the middle and at least you're open to using the new tools. 100%. You know, it's interesting though. It really depends. So I'm going to, I have one of the things that I, I am a big fan of is like a Google doc. You know, if I'm writing a script for a client or I'm co-creating a webinar with someone we can all, you know, throw our text and our content into the Google Doc and then we can mark it up. We can, you know, strike things out, whatever, edit as necessary. But I have some clients who, you know, without painting with a too broad of a brush, generally tend to be a little bit on the older side who have never used a Google Doc before, you know, like that's not how they operate. It's, and so you really have to for me anyway, and, and maybe I'll get to a point at some point in the near future, hopefully, where I can sort of dictate a little bit more how things operate. But, you know, you listen, I can't, I can't make you use a Google Doc if you don't know how to use it. So we got to figure out another way that works for us to work together. Yeah, there's an education piece to it. I'm with you, right? If you're using something once for 10 minutes, does it make sense to spend two weeks learning it? Probably not. Right. And and that's another one of the themes this manifested itself during the early episodes of the show, you know, using something temporarily versus saying, this is something that I'm going to use on a regular basis. So maybe I should spend a little bit more time learning the ins and outs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I use, so one of the things that I do when I have a training session with a client, especially now that we're not able to meet in person is I record the session, right? So we often are doing a video call and I record the session so that they can go back and they can listen and review if they need to. And then I hop into Google Docs and I create some notes for our our session, things that we talked about, things that we need to focus on, homework, a link to the recording. And then if they have questions, they can stick them in there, you know, in the same and it's something that we can address either in between sessions or during our next session, if they have homework to do, let's say I'm working with a client on script writing. It's a really easy way for them to send me their scripts in the, you know, in between sessions and for me to go back and make quick edits that they can then take a look at and study before the next session. I am a big, I'm a huge fan of that, but like I said, it doesn't work for everybody. Mm -hmm. And did you know that if you um, enable it, when your client responds to your comments, you can pipe those notifications right into Slack so you don't have to get an email. I, I don't know if I knew that. Yes, you can. Hubs and spokes, baby. That's the. Now, did you write a book on Slack? 
maybe i don't know i just copy and paste a bunch of crap from wikipedia no one's ever called me out on it before it's amazing <laughs> yeah you know all the tricks i probably need to talk to you i didn't know that you could do that mm-hmm. there's a, so much no go ahead go ahead me okay I, the one you mentioned this a minute ago, and it is, it's the education factor. There's a million things out there that I want to take a deep dive into and figure out how they work because I know that they could help, but it's sitting down and finding the time, which can be pretty extensive to figure out how everything works and look at what works best for my business model and the types of clients I have and their limitations and where I want to grow, you know, that, that in and of itself is like, I mean, you know what, I have downloads that are like a year plus old that I haven't had a chance to look at yet or subscriptions that I'm paying for because I thought I was going to have time to look at something when during the free trial and the trial ended and the subscription started and I still haven't taken a look at it, but you know what that's like, right? We all know what that's like when we're starting up. I think I do. Now, you talked a lot about limitations and basically picking your battles, right? So you're not going to grow up to be a web developer, but you have a kick-ass website. So talk a little bit about your process. When you say, all right, I need to know this tool. I'm going to spend the time. I only have so much of it, right? Versus saying to someone, look, you guys know it. Build a website or do whatever because I just don't want to deal. I'll have input about what it needs to do, what it needs to look like, but I don't want to know the X's and the O's. Well... I think it depends a little bit on the project. So for example, with the website, and thank you, that was a a, a labor of love, um, not on my part, but on my poor <laughs> web developer's part who has, you know, I don't know anything about this stuff. So when it comes to building the website, I knew that I was way out of my league. You know, I, I, I didn't know what, lead gen was. I didn't know how to capture data. I didn't know that I needed something where people could go in and like download a PDF and then I could get their email. I didn't know any of that. I didn't even know the questions to ask. And so when I, when I, I'm going to backtrack here, I did have a different website and I realized after somebody kindly told me that this is not really a great lead generating generating website, it's more like an online brochure. And I was like, oh, okay, now I, now I see what you're saying. I needed somebody to put it in those really simple terms for me. But I still didn't know what how you made the sausage, right? And I didn't really want to know how you made the sausage. Here's what I need. You tell me how I get there and tell me what different you know stuff I need to make it look pretty and sizzle. So with the website, uh, listen, that would, I would still be working on it and I'd be like living in a cardboard box because I wouldn't have any clients. I would be dedicating all my time to that. Smaller tasks, I can figure out how to dig in and take a stab at it. So for example, I use something for my social media posting called Sprout Social, which is a platform that you, you plug in all of your posts that you know you want to have go out when you have them go out that you know that the text etc and sprout will then publish your posts on all your different platforms as you have it scheduled based on when your best traction time is something like that that i can take a dive in and figure out but something that's uber complicated i listen 
if I don't know the questions I need to ask, I know it's something I don't need to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never moment. used Sprout. It sounds a little bit like Hootsuite. It is. It is like Hootsuite. It's a little more expensive, not a ton, but I, I like it because I really like the analytics that I can get on it. So for example, I can, I, I mean, it, it breaks it all down by a bunch of different demographics, you know, age and gender and interest and who's clicking through and who's staying this long and who's backing. I mean, the, the analytics are just spectacular on it, which is why I use it. Here's where it gets tricky. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do with those analytics. Mm. So that's the part that I hand out <laughs> to my, my marketing agency and um, the folks who handle, you know, the monetization of my platforms. So you've got quite a few people in your universe. You've got vendors, you've got clients, partners, right? It's yeah. Holistic. It is. It's um, yes. It, and it's a little bit scattered if I'm totally honest with you. And hopefully my clients <laughs> don't notice that, but um, certainly my partners in my, my marketing agency notices that I'm a little bit scattered. And that's one of the things that we're working on this year is to try and get some, get me more strategic, I guess, if you will, in the way that I'm thinking about things that I need help with that too. You know, this is not natural to me. I've never run a business. I've never taken a business course. Um, I've never, hell, I've never even reported on business really when I was in the TV news world. So being strategic is, I'm not at the place where that comes naturally yet. So that's something I need help with as well. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, partnerships that have arisen over the past year. There's, um, you know, while I don't have any full-time employees, they certainly have people that help me do things, marketing, uh, copywriting, editing, those sorts of things. I can't, I just can't handle it all. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. So what's your Emmy in or what did you want? Oh, can you see that back there? Let me, get, let me give you a better look. Mm. I do see it. That's the first time I've seen a live Emmy. <laughs> it's not live. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, I'm joking. Uh, it was like a new stroke, silly new stroke. Um, it is for breaking news. I was anchoring a newscast at uh, WNBC up here in New York City by me. And this was back in 20. If I went over and looked at the plaque, I could tell you exactly. I think it's 2017. There was a crane collapse in Tribeca. And and if you're not familiar with New York City, it's sort of uh, down toward lower Manhattan. It happened at rush hour. It happened in a sort of a windy, gusty, snowy day. There had been complaints about the construction site ended up crushing a car and killing a person. And so we were on the air with all, my God, I think it was eight hours straight. And I won the Emmy for my um, breaking news coverage. Did you thank your lawyer when you won it? (laughs) You know what? I actually didn't even go to the award ceremony. Oh, you blew him off. I I didn't blow him off. I just, I don't know. I, um, yeah, I didn't go. I didn't go. Okay. Yeah. We'll get you out of here on this. What book are you reading right now? What book am I reading right now? I'm reading a book called um, Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port. I just started it two days ago. Michael Port and his wife, Amy, run, um, I, I mean, they have 
they started out really sort of, they were actors. Then they um, branched into public speaking training, which is part of what I do, although not as much in person anymore. It's on camera speaking training. And they also um, teach people how to run business. So this particular book is about how to secure clients. And I've just started it. What I'm struggling with, and it's it's fabulous. You know, um, he it, he knows what he's talking about. What I struggle with, Phil, is that I'm sort of at this point where I either my I'm I'm full. I, my I have as many clients as I can handle. So what do I want to do? Do I want to, um, you know, in, increase my my fees and scale back on clients and sort of grow the online portion of my business, which is how I think things are going to be going um, for the next year. Or do I, I have a lot of questions, I guess, is where I'm at. And this book is helping me figure those out, what the answers are. Well, it's smart to do that, right? Because you can only scale so much yourself. There are only so many hours in a, right? Only in a a day, in a week, in a year. Whereas if you have passive income and some people think there isn't such a thing, in theory, someone could be taking your course right now. And you should, or buying one of my books right now. And you should. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I'm. I. I was saying to. Um, I have somebody who's helping me. Who's helping me do the marketing for the course. And I was saying to him yesterday. I'm like, listen. I just want to wake up in the morning, and see. Cha ching, cha ching, cha ching. Look at that. Six people bought your course over line. Awesome. I'm good. I've. I've got today covered. Um, that's really what the goal is. I do also think that we are in you know, uncharted territory to use an overused phrase. And there are a lot of small businesses and personal brands. This is really what this new course is designed for that are looking how to effectively and efficiently use their money to market their business. And they, you know, we all know that video is, is a big part of marketing right now. It's a, it's a huge part. And if you're not on that sort of video train is going to run your ass down pretty soon. And Mm -hmm. so how do you, you know, rather than paying a marketing agency and a production crew, you know, potentially tens of thousands of dollars to create a video series for you, how can you do it effectively with your phone? How can you shoot a two minute video like the end result, have it do what it needs to do instead of taking three hours to shoot a two minute video, hating the end result and not having it perform. It's funny that you mentioned that as part of my marketing strategy for this year, apart from the podcast, I started creating more videos using a tool called wave.video and it's not as good as Premiere or I'm blanking right now, Final Cut Pro, the other top line tool. Yeah. Um, But it's a hell of a lot better than iMovie. And it lets me create what I think are decent videos without having to, to your point, hire someone for $300 an hour and see it at the end and not really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at $300 an hour, I mean, that, that could even be on the, on the lowish side of things, depending on the scope of your project. Um, it, iMovie, by the way, everybody told me that was super easy to use. And I, that, I, yeah, they changed the UI a couple times. It can be really frustrating to figure things out. It's once you get it, it makes sense, but there is a learning curve. Absolutely. There's 100% a 
learning curve. I I was trying to edit something on iMovie when I first started. I'm like, everybody told me this was easy. I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I can't seem to get it figured out. And this is one of the things that I just didn't have time to, I didn't have time to figure it out. So I have an editor who is really talented. She's cost effective and she does a quick turnaround. And so I'm, that's one of the things that I had to offload, but you're absolutely right. So you use wave, what is it called? Wave? Wave Wave.video. And it's worth checking out. I'll put a link into the post when this goes live. But yeah, it's a fairly new tool and it's intuitive. I found that within a few minutes, I basically figured it out and you can set up different tracks and add music and and GIFs and videos within videos. So sometimes I'll create almost like my own little daily show. I love good stuff. I mean, like your animated videos and they're very, for the people who are listening, if you haven't checked out Phil's videos, you should because they're good and they're funny. They're entertaining. I have my moments. Kara, you stay safe. Thanks for taking the time. Of course. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not, please download, like, or subscribe. Merci, gracias, obrigado to the producer of this podcast, podcastedition.com. You guys rock. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not, please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.